Hello and welcome back to another episode of The Book Stops Here, your go-to football financial podcast, talking about all the scandals and the miracles in football. Uh, we joined, as per usual, myself, Chris Stonings, is joined by Matt Skinner, the veteran. How are you, Hello. fella? I'm good, thank you. It's great It's great to, to have you here, mate. Uh, dressed in a lovely Wales Away kit. Always. Yeah, top level. And we've also got Reese Chidosman, or as yes. he likes to be called, Reese James. How are you, mate? Yeah, again, not the Chelsea right back, as you said last time. Um, <laughs> it's good to be here for the second time. Um, I'm looking forward to it, as always. As per, yeah, we uh, we love it. We're also we're also joined by Mr. Alex Wallace on the phone. How are you, mate? You good? Yeah, I'm good, mate. But still on the phone, not too much longer. Though. Yeah, soon... Much. Soon, Alex will be in the studio with us, and we can't wait for it. Um, but first off, uh, we'll get into what we're actually talking about today. Uh, we all ha- always have to talk about things that are relevant and that are going on at the moment, and we are talking about Newcastle United today. Um, we didn't think maybe a year ago would be the richest club in the universe. Um, <laughs> Not a chance, though. Yeah, but uh, they are now, and we're going to be talking about the intricacies behind that. Um, Reese, you looking forward yeah, to it? Yeah, uh, I am. So. Yeah, obviously, um, under uh, the ownership of Mike Ashley, they were pretty, uh, let's just say he wasn't exactly a good owner. Um, And now they've got, well, uh, owners which are worth a whopping £260 billion, apparently. Um, Yeah, ridiculous. So, you know, and it just just comparing that to, to, you know, the teams sort of around them in the the financial world of the Premier League, um, we've got fifth fifth place in terms of you know um you know richest owners in, in the league we've got Wolves 5 billion there's a worth 5 billion arsenal so cranky is 7 billion uh, chelsea um 10 billion city 23 billion and some people thought city were ridiculous with the amount of money they're worth and then so over 10 times that <laughs> that's amazing it's ridiculous exactly. what, what's, what's the deal with like buying players and stuff like that then because financial fair play is going to come in yeah can can they just go money happy for the first for the first two transfer windows and try and make the money back very or? very interesting you say this Mark because I've got a little thread by by the Swiss Ramble our, our good mates over there that we don't know but I tell you what they are brilliant in terms of uh, this podcast um, we'll talk about financial fair play their spending ability will be limited by the Premier League profitability and sustainability rules. These allow a five million loss a year, which can be boosted by thirty million equity injection, giving allowable losses of thirty-five million pounds a year. This works out to about one hundred five million pounds a year over a three monitoring period. So they, the clubs can also adjust for COVID impact as well. So they lost twenty-seven million uh, in 2019-20, but so their spending potential rises to two hundred million pounds. So they could spend in the next couple of windows two hundred million pounds. Right. However. That would severely limit their spending in the windows in the future right. unless they make marketing profitability reasons. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were putting in there. Just caught him out. You just caught him out. No. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, what can I say? Uh, so, we'll leave that bit out. <laughs> yeah, um, but yeah, so, to understand what the 200 million spend actually means, we need to understand player trading accounting. Transfer fees are not fully expensed in the year a player is purchased. So say a player is bought for £20 million on a four-year contract, that'd be £5 million per year on the account. Um, so yeah, it's, they they have potential to spend, um, but in terms of sort of the the ethics behind it, Alex, I will go to you on this. Um, how surprised were you to see the the this deal actually go through? 
Um, it was quite surprising, to be honest. But I think when the first report sort of emerged, it was instantly people jumped to the point of, oh, it'll go through with ease and stuff. And this was like a year, year and a half ago. And then all the problems arose with the Premier League and they wanted to block the, the takeover. But um, it's definitely a surprising one. But as well, you have to look at what um, PIF, which is Saudi Arabia Public Investment Fund, have actually sort of mm. decided on recently. And um, a report came out from teamtalk.com but take this with a pinch of salt. But apparently, uh, PIF has said that they're disappointed with how unattractive the club has become already and now want to invest money in other clubs in Europe, such as Inter Milan. Um, I know that came out a few months ago, actually, that they wanted to um, to buy Inter Milan. So <laughs> it'll be a weird future. I and think I think it's coming down to the point from... Um, to do with uh, player spending. I think it's one of those things that everyone... You know, the day that the, these owners took over, even Sky, were making all these fake, like, oh, they'll sign Mbappe and Haaland. And it's like, they have to limit their spending, I think, in January and the summer to be able to spend more when they save themselves from relegation, if they sell, uh, save themselves from relegation, because then they'll really be uh, stuck in the mud, I think. I don't think they're able to attract players like Mbappe and Haaland anyway, to be honest. Not yet. No. I mean, you have to look at the Manchester City model, the way that they invested and the way that they built. Um, yes, they went and bought Robinho straight away, but I think he thought he was going to Manchester United. Uh, <laughs> I think that's the story. Yeah. Um, but they had Mark Hughes as manager. They bought in proven Premier League players like James Milner, Shea Given, um, invested in young players like Pablo Zabaleta and Vincent Company at the time. You know, and, and they built from you know a mid-table mediocrity Newcastle are arguably a lot lower than that now mm. um, but they're probably in a better situation as a club than the Manchester City were because they're a bigger club in my um, in my humble opinion so you know I, I think they have to take a lot of solace from Manchester City in the way that they built it it will take a long time for them to be anywhere near what Manchester City are yeah I definitely think that as well and going on about what um, what the other clubs thought about it and the Premier League chairman uh, Gary Hoffman is well he's, he's, he's announced his resignation uh, following all the con- controversy about this as well but because of the um, he had a vote of an official vote of confidence by the Premier League um, and over half of the uh, Premier League chairman were asking for his removal because he let this go through now I know that I know there's um, there's other bits behind it and Newcastle fans, you talk about Mike Ashley, and they they instantly screw their face up, and they don't like it at all because he didn't invest in the club. He called St James's Park. The sports. I'm, I'm not even going to say it. I don't. Yeah. I don't like saying the sponsor name stadiums. Like we've got the Millennium Stadium, is is perfectly fine being like that. Oh, don't T- tell you what, as a United fan, if they renamed Old Trafford the Team Viewer Stadium, <laughs> I, I, <laughs> honestly, or, or Glaze, Glazerville or something like that, <laughs> or, or um. Or yeah, it's it just it doesn't have the. It's like you you think about all the traditional stadiums. You got the Emirates, but that's that's a brand new stadium for for Arsenal. In in reality, St James's Park is iconic. I went there before all the all. The, this is again showing my age. Probably <laughs> ninety nineteen ninety four. So you had the old stand with the that was like modelled on the Watford one with the with the bubble roof and the away end was totally wide open there was no roof there we got absolutely soaking wet but you you went to St James's Park and it was that feel and then they built it up and then you're in the you're literally 
in the clouds when you watch them there now. But it, it's always going to be St James's Park. It's not going to be the SportsDirect.com Stadium because and I and I think Mike Ashley took he took so much money out of the club without putting it back in. But didn't they have some silly stat like they were the most profitable club in the Premier League for like six or seven seasons? Mm. So. You, you think about the teams that have come down and and gone through the hoop like Leeds, um, not through, fully through the hoop, but Sheffield Wednesday, and and those bigger clubs. You, you you could argue that their fan bases, Leeds especially, were just as if not bigger than Newcastle, and Ashley has kept them in the Premier League. When they've dropped out, they've got back in at the first attempt every time, and I'm not I'm not saying the guy's a saint. I'm not, I'm, but I. I and you can see from certain things that go on with his business elsewhere that sometimes some of the things that he does aren't quite right. But at the same time, he kept Newcastle making money when others were losing it hand over fist. So, yeah, he, he wasn't great for the club and he didn't put a lot of effort in with them. And I think that the whole thing with it is Newcastle wanted someone who who was there like, like Freddie Shepard. He was a Newcastle boy. He was a fan and he took over in 97 from Sir John Hall. So he transformed Newcastle into this team that could go and spend money by an Alan Shearer, which was then a record transfer fee for 15 million. And, she, and when Freddie Shepard passed away, Shearer was like, he was my best mate. He, he was a very good friend. And I'm so sad because he worked with him as, I think he was he was there, well, he was a player for ages while mm. Freddie Shepard was there. And of course, when he sold the club because he was ill, I don't think he wanted to, but he he had to because he, he had pneumonia and stuff like that. So he had, and Ashley was the first guy to go. Yep, cool, I'll, I'll have this. But you look at Ashley's other business dealings as well. You look at stuff that he's done with um, Debenhams and, and away from football, um, JD Sports when he took that as well. So he he got not JD Sports, DW. Yeah, you got getting the wrong one there. But when he took DW on. He literally took it apart and he went, right, okay, I can put Sports Direct in there and then the gym's turned to Everlast or whatever like that. So he's he's made money off someone else's thing. And mm. and that's kind of exactly what he done at the, uh, Newcastle. Freddie Shepard built everything up, uh, Sir John Hall before that. And, and Ashley's come along and he's gone, well, this works. I don't really need to do anything. I'm just going to use it to make some money for myself and and keep it making money. Yeah. So, so he's 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 a very clever businessman when you think of it like that. One hundred percent. I've got some money to back up what you were saying. Um, Newcastle have only lost money twice in the last ten years. One of them being the COVID year. And if there wasn't uh, COVID, they would have actually made a profit in that year. They're actually the fourth most pros- profitable club in the league in the last eleven years, behind Tottenham, Man United, and Arsenal, um, which is crazy. Um, New Arsenal were going to be there because yeah. Wenger was so tight with money, and they, haven't they paid the stadium off already as well? But that's yeah. a, that's something else. We yeah. Can so uh, as well, um, in, in other stats, as Ash- Ashley actually didn't loan the club any money, so that he is, I think they're the only club in the entire Premier League where the owner hasn't actually put his own money in. Um, so, so this is the stats here. Um, give me a second. I've lost it <laughs> it's when you're looking and you're going I've got the stat no I've lost it I've, I've, it's, I've, to, it's to do with fan bases as well because yeah. they, they have so many fans um, it's the same with Arsenal United Liverpool that's why they're so they're so high up got it 
Got it. Sorry, mate. So, the Newcastle fans will appreciate some owner financing, as theirs is the only club in the Premier League to have had nothing since 2010. They have not been financed by Ashley since 2010. Other owners have been more generous with their loans, such as Man City with £1.1 billion. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, Newcastle are at the bottom of that list. Burnley have, oh, I think it's £2 million loan in, in that 10 years. So, it's just crazy. Uh, going going back to you, Alex, um, in terms of Mike Ashley's investment to the PIF, it's going to be some some form of contrast, isn't it? Um, 100%, but there's also the Premier League regulation that could be of hindrance, I think, to the investment side of things, and that is that Saudi, um, I think it isn't anyone to do with the Saudi Kingdom isn't allowed to have an impact on the football side of things, the Premier League. So everything sort of has to come through um, Amanda and everything like that. So I think that could be an issue, but at the same time, it's probably going to be similar to Man City, I think. I think their owners will be very generous with the loans, but then it's down to the people who are in charge of the football side of things to make use of that money. You can't just give money to people who may not have the, the football knowledge um, if they're not going to make relatively smart signings, if they're just going to splash the bank on whoever. I, I don't think that's an effective way of running the club. I think what Ashley did was, I think he was just sort of, it's never, it's not good, but I don't think it's as bad sometimes as people make out. I think that he was cautious with what he did, obviously not putting his own money into the club and taking it out instead was something that Newcastle fans were the most unhappy with. But on the football side of things, it was, I think that, I think it's like Newcastle had this reputation of being a, a big club and, sort of just staying in the Premier League mediocrity and stuff like that wasn't fulfilling the fan base's needs which you can't argue with but in in the grand scheme of things as we said you've got the likes of Sheffield Wednesday who are down in League One and Portsmouth who's taking a tumble and stuff like that with the owner problems you know I think it's, it's one of those I think they just have to it was one of those it had to just be mediocrity process for a while rather mm. than trying to win success all the time which you never know may happen with the new owners it might not but it's, it's got to be some kind of cup that they're going to try and win they've got to win like the uh, League Cup or FA Cup or something like that they've got to be aiming to bring some kind of silverware in um, finishing within Europe as well within a couple of seasons so they, they've got they've got to be aiming to do that I think to actually have a big pull with the players because like, like you mentioned Reece, with the old Mbappe thing yeah. if, if they haven't got that pull then they, and say they're going to go to these big name players and say look you can come and sign for us or what competitions you're in just the Premier League if they're out of the FA Cup if they're out of the League Cup if there's just the Premier League fair enough they could, they could use that old adage of a manager concentrate on the league but at the same time you're not, you're not going to be able to sign those players of stature to get you into it and maybe they need they do need to go and think right who's a, who's established Premier League players that aren't in the starting 11s for some teams right now that we know could do a job mm-hmm. and Eddie Howe will know that um, the, the only issue I've got with Eddie Howe as amazing as I think he's a manager I, I would have if you had said Eddie Howe to Cardiff City I would have said yes please within within seconds um, 
because what he did at Bournemouth was amazing. Such a small club to keep him in the Premier League for as long as they did. When he was at Burnley, wasn't as good. So he's he's very much a home bird, I think. And when he got given a little bit of money, that was when his his downfall started because he had a very good nucleus of players at Bournemouth and then knew his way to play. Then he started bringing in more expensive players and everything like that. And then that's when things started going wrong, much like it did for, you could almost say, Steve Bruce. Mm. Take take away the money from some managers and they're fantastic because they'll work with what they've got and they'll do really well. Um, so yeah, it's, it's gonna it's gonna be tough for Eddie Howe. He's gonna be under instant pressure to get results. Obviously, he's got to keep them up this season, and then next season they've got to build on that. So he's gonna be under massive pressure from owners that we don't know what they're gonna be like. You don't you don't know how they get what reaction you're gonna get from them. You don't know if it's gonna be like right, okay, you, you've lost you've lost four on the banks now. You're gone. Yeah. Or if, or if they look up and go right, okay, you've lost four. Where are we progressing right now? If he comes back to me and says, "Look, this is what I need." Okay, fine. We'll give you. We'll give you that time to do it. As long as there's a plan in place, I think football-wise, the fans will be on side because if they know that there's something good going to happen at the club, they're more than happy to wait. I'm not sure it's going to be as straightforward as people think. Getting back to the the top, um, you know, as we mentioned, there is a possibility of relegation. I mean, it's not incredibly likely. I think they're obviously going to spend in January, but. I'm not ruling it out to be honest. Um, I think, as you, you know, Matt said a couple of seasons, uh, you know, in, in terms of getting into Europe. I think, yeah, maybe maybe three seasons. As you say, they need to win a cup probably, but I, I, you know, they they could sack a manager, as you say, um, in between that that sort of time. So, yeah, there's going to need to be a lot of um, a lot of investment, but but we'll see how it goes. If you look at, uh, you mentioned a cup. Um, if you look at Manchester City won the FA Cup in 2011 uh, against I think it was Stoke City in the final and after that they went and got Sergio Aguero who mm. was probably the main catalyst in them winning that Premier League title um, 100%. scoring that scoring that goal um, I'll just have a look at their business in 2011 and how important it was um, for them to sign you know the and I'm pretty sure they got Edin Dzeko they got Samir Nasri um like they got some some absolutely quality players in that that helped them win win that league title. Um, Gail Clichy as well, big big player from Arsenal at that time. Only seven million, by the way, great left back. Um, and when and Arsenal fans at that point as well, they were, and and this is what Newcastle fans are going to get excited about. They could go and pick up a Gail Clichy type player yeah. for for that for that money, and then and if they if they do that business well like Man City did at the beginning like we've said and and yeah you can you can go and spend all the money in the world you're still not going to win anything exactly so so that there's got to be some kind of sensible reaction to this as well I'm going to pose this question to you Alex um, because yeah. I, I think some of Newcastle's best seasons have come after they've been relegated would being relegated potentially be not not like a, a blessing in disguise, but but something that, that that they can build on because I think the Premier League might just be a bit tough for them. They need to instill a winning mentality. Um, it's one of those. I think there's there's a lot of clubs and a lot of fans of different clubs that say getting relegated and seeing the the repercussions and how it could actually affect them for the better is something that gets said a lot. And I've even seen it with uh, with Cardiff fans recently saying that they wouldn't uh, be opposed to the, the the fact that we could go down to League One but it's one of those things and I think with new owners like they have 
getting relegated to the championship with these little reports that they're already sort of uneasy with with what position they're in at the moment. It's it probably now I'd say without Ashley would affect them in a worse way because these owners have expectations. They're not just going to buy Newcastle and want to put all this money in to settle for championship football because. To be honest, I don't think they actually know like what the championship is, probably, and how hard it could actually be <laughs> to get out of it. Whereas you had Ashley, who was a guy who pro- who had a football understanding and understood how to turn over uh, a relegation season. But I think for Newcastle, they can't actually afford to be relegated. And... Um, I think that, as Reese said, in January they'll go on by. And I'll put this to everyone, but I think that something that will help Newcastle, but not just Newcastle, will help a lot of clubs in the Premier League. So, according to the Telegraph, new Premier League rules are set to be agreed regarding deals with related parties. It means that clubs will be able to agree sponsorship contracts with businesses that are linked to the club's owners. So that means Mm. that Newcastle can have Saudi-backed businesses sponsor the club. Right, that 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 is going to that smells of corruption from from the over. But that's this is already. the this is the thing. I'm 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 on the same lines as Alex here because I'm also reading this now. Is um and and obviously they passed the legislation designed to prevent the Saudi owners from striking striking the deals with um for the sponsorship. So and there was 18 teams voted a, a, in favour of the ban. And it was only Newcastle that voted against. Man City abstained. Um, and uh, reading from what it says in The Guardian, uh, it was believed that they did so on the basis of legal advice that the process was unlawful. So whether now Newcastle have gone back and say, hang on a minute, this isn't fair because some of you are sponsored by people you're associated with or you've mm-hmm. got old people there. So now it's been, it's been gone, right, okay, well, this is new. This is this is what... And that, that could be massive for them because... Um, like, like you said about the, the naming rights of the stadium, they could put it back to St James's Park. I think they've even taken the Sports Direct sign down, haven't they? Yeah, uh, the, it was um, yesterday or the day before. Yeah, so they've, they've taken that down now. So that's a massive move, and they could they could call it St James's Park, and then put a massive sign on it, like like it's got at the Etihad. And you don't necessarily need to call it the Emirates, the Etihad, or, or whatever or whatever they want to call it. You don't need to do that if the sponsorship name is there. And they're making money off having a, a hundred foot banner, and that's surely. And New, Liverpool could do it. Man United could do it. You, you're probably. I reckon that most of the deals that Man United have done. I know we're talking about yeah, yeah. Dominic, but look at Chevrolet when they were sponsored. You look at um, Team Viewer now being American based businesses. I would reckon that the Glaciers have got their finger in there somewhere whether we could do a little bit of research and talk about that on a future pod potentially I don't know I know a couple of things about the Chevrolet deal yeah yeah we'll, yeah. we'll, 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 we'll save that yeah, for we'll, your, we'll, your we'll, we'll save we'll save that for the Man United podcast because <laughs> I know Chris would love to talk about Man United for an entire uh, half hour nah <laughs> but let's talk about Newcastle on the pitch because yep. I've, we've talked a lot about off the pitch and that's mostly what this podcast is about but I think of a club on the pitch is a reflection of it of off the pitch and Newcastle have had a turbulent couple of years I mean Rafa Benitez was there kept them in the league on a limited budget um, I think his most expensive signing was Miguel Almiron 
um, which uh, he's, he's now three years into a five-year deal, which seems ridiculous, really. It seems like that happened yesterday. Um, and then Steve Bruce came in, again, very, very similar record, but spent a lot more money. Um, Reese, in terms of, of their progression in the, in the last few years, um, how much do you think you know this this investment will change that? Yeah, I mean, what progression? <laughs> they, they haven't progressed. Um, yeah, you know, as we were saying, or you know, the, the investment will obviously um, increase massively and they will improve massively. Um, yeah, I think under Rafa Benitez they were sort of stagnating. Under Bruce they were getting worse. Um, but yeah, I think we all know that now. Um, you know, it's going to get a lot better. I mean, you know, Steve Bruce. Uh, we were talking before the, you know, before we started uh, recording. He bought Joe Linton for fifty million pounds, which was obviously pretty. It was a pretty awful deal. I mean, how many goals mm. he scored? Does he, he? I think it's like eight yeah. overall in like three years. Go mm. on, we'll get we'll get Alex on the search for that one while you Alex, search, while Alex, I'm get I'm searching for that one, so we can give the definite answer. But yeah, you talk about Almiron. He, he was a he was a record fee at the time as well when he signed 21 million yeah so you think you can hear Alex, Alex, you can hear, you can hear Alex tapping, frantically tapping, typing tapping in the background <laughs> yeah it's 21 million and they bought him from the MLS now to come from the MLS to the Premier League would have been so difficult because of the, the and I'm not saying the standard in the MLS is bad but it is. The, the pace the pace of the Premier League alone to hit that running as a big name sign in with a massive price tag that's going to put pressure on you and he struggled at the beginning well I, I, I'd go as far to say he's probably been a failure as a signing yeah because if you look at if you look at his statistics they're not fantastic at all especially for a player who's cost you 21 million pounds well yeah he, he's well he, in 62 games for Atlanta United who are one of the better teams in America um he scored 21 goals in 62 games for Newcastle since 2019 he's had 93 appearances and scored 8 so mm. it, it, we, we all know that it's difficult to score in the Premier League you, 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 if you sign a striker that's scoring 20 plus goals in a season you are very lucky and some teams have got 2 guys that can do that some have got three, as as I can see Chris smirking <laughs> across there. But you, if if you're if you're that lucky that you can go, sign a player and he's scoring you twenty goals plus a season in the Premier League, that's that's half the battle, half the time, and that's why a lot of te- teams struggle. So for uh, Joe Linton, which I hope Alex has got the stats for now, I've got it, and it's actually shocking. Um, I didn't think he'd played that many games. He's played eighty three games for Newcastle in the Premier League. Come on. Then. He scored, uh, it's the same number on his back, seven goals <laughs> and had five assists in 83 games. Wow. That leaves then, him with a goal per match of 0.08, by the way. But, but, but then you look at his stats for Hoffenheim, and I think the season before he signed for Newcastle, he also scored seven goals in the Bundesliga. So you, you look at it and you think, that, that is not wise investment, but Steve Bruce clearly admired him and Mike Ashley clearly wanted him and they were clearly gagging for a number nine but they didn't get it in the end um but i'm gonna to, to close off the pod i'm gonna to to ask you guys a little bit of a question and a concept um january window's coming up um very very shortly can you give me three players or one or however many players you want to give who, who i think newcastle could sign i'm gonna go for one and he's very close to my heart um nathaniel deany van phillips 
or otherwise known as Nat Phillips. Absolute beast in the air, absolute legend. I think he would keep Newcastle up personally. Um, they need defensive reinforcements and he's quality. So I, I, I'm going to start us off with that. But are there any other players you think could be available? So are we doing one player each? We do one player each right, if you want so to come that's, up with that's any the one more. you chucked in there. Okay. Um, let's you think. Can, you let's can pick think. any more as well if you want. I really think they need someone else to help Wilson up front because I don't think uh, Joe Linton's able. I've got a good um, idea for that as well. An attacking midfielder. Yeah. If you, well, you go with your attacking midfielder while we while I try and think of a player <laughs> off my head. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, Donny Van der Beek. Um, I think I think they could get him on loan um, at least, and they could even buy him as well. Um, so as a United fan, obviously um, United players come into my, my head first, but I think he'd be perfect. Um, you know, he's barely played at, at United. Didn't really get a chance um, under Solskjaer because he didn't necessarily fit into the team. Um, not sure why we signed him to be honest if he didn't fit in but um, but yeah I think he'd fit in at, at Newcastle because especially if they can get more technically gifted players in, in January and, and you know he, he'd fit that um, pretty much perfectly and as Matt was saying um, if you get an attacking midfielder which which can help Wilson you know he's known for, for scoring goals for, for Ajax in that position so I think it'd work yeah, I'd have to counter that straight away by the way I'm also on the topic of attack midfielders, but I wouldn't let Donny van der Beek go, and instead I'd actually let them have Jesse Lingard, because Ooh. I don't think Jesse Lingard gets back in at West Ham now as well, to be fair. I think they're so set on what they've got and how they've actually sort of set up with the team they've got to play their football. I think he should go to Newcastle. Um, there'd been something that they've already offered him, like £200,000 a week or whatever, but... I think Van der Beek will be someone who can fit in at United in the future. So I think it, it should be Lingard yeah, out of uh, uh, any uh, players from United that go. Yeah, honestly, uh, you're right, to be honest. I think he probably fits even better than, than Van der Beek does because Lingard kn- knows the league better. Um, he's played at West Ham, which are a more mid-table level side. Well, not recently, but um, yeah, he knows how to how to how to play in this league and how to, to do things. So I think it would make even more sense than, than Van der Beek would, to be honest, yeah. Right, so you've gone defender, yeah. two attackers of Reese and Alex. I'm going to go for midfield, but this guy can also play as a number 10. Um, and they're, they're, I, I want him back in the Premier League. I'd want him back at Cardiff, but I know he's too good for us. Um, Aaron Ramsey. Um, Juve don't want him, and Juve fans often get on his back. And I don't get why, because when we see him put a red shirt on for Wales, as much as he gets injured, he is far and far and above a lot of players that we see on the pitch, and that's that's even for the opposition. He's such a good player. Arsenal fans didn't rate him when he was there. As soon as he went, they want him back. That shows how good he was, because he went unnoticed, but he would score some cracking goals, and he got them into positions that they could win games. Um, along with that, another midfielder. Because again, if you're if if you want to protect your back four, and this is someone that Chris knows well, who's not getting on at PSG, Ginny, when, yeah, Ginny Wijnaldum. Wijnaldum. He was there before. He left uh, left to go to Liverpool. One of the things with Liverpool was part of that uh, the, the Championship winning side yeah. was part of the Champions League winning side. He has experience in the Premier League, and that's what we're talking about of all these players. They Ramsey's got experience. Lingard's got experience. Donny van der Beek, like you said, hasn't really got it yet, but he could get it with he's, Newcastle. He played in the Champions League semi-final. Yeah, yeah. and, and Philip, Phillips has got experience with Liverpool now. So 
all those players kind of fit the model that we've said Newcastle could go with. If Newcastle, of course, are looking for someone to help them and willing to pay us a big fee, we're, we're, we're quite happy to go in and do that. What do you reckon, guys? We'll, uh, we'll go and source players and travel <laughs> I'll tell you the world. What, I'm going to throw a name in there and you two aren't going to like me, Matt and Alex. I'm going to say Kiefer Moore would be a very good sign no, for Newcastle. No, right, I'll tell you why. No, 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 no. <laughs> this, this, this isn't me like protecting him because I love him because he hasn't had a really good season, right? But I think that... that to be honest, that would be such a Joe Linton part two signing. But he's better it's than Joe Linton, though. It's just a striker who they think would score goals. And it's like, you don't need to go and get a striker at Newcastle. Maybe someone like younger to help Wilson. But in terms of, they lack creativity. I, I, I think, think if they had creativity, Wilson would probably hit the form he was hitting for Bournemouth seasons ago. Like, they, I don't think they need a striker. No, and I, that's, again, it's not just I'm, me I'm, I'm with Kiefer. that on there. I think, I think there's there would be better options for Kiefer Moore. But do you not think with, they with less cheap, with less pressure? No, I don't think they could. Yeah, right. I don't. I don't think. Uh, even though things are probably tight at Cardiff as they are at most Championship sides, I don't think. As much as I I, lo- I love Kiefer Moore, like one of my screensavers is him when he scored a goal for Wales. Is like that. That is. And kind of, I'm a grown man. Kind of, what am I doing? <laughs> but, um, but yeah, I, I think for him to go up there, there'd be a load of pressure on him to score the goals. And if he didn't get off to the great start, then he'd be under pressure again straight away. And I don't, I don't think, I think at this point, you you definitely need, you need to be looking in the leagues below to see what you can bring up. But right now in January, they need to go right. We need experience. We need Premier League experience bring these people in mm. to keep us in the league then how can have his scouts out all over the place and go we think this guy's going to make the step up then he can go in the summer and go right we want to sign you we want to sign you we want to sign you he can bring his nucleus of players in around the experience yeah I, I also saw because I got some, some connections with the LFC transfer room um, and there's been concepts thrown out today Barcelona apparently transfer listed three players according to Gerard Romero um, Frankie Dion. Sergio Dest, Serginho Dest, and Mark Andre Ter Stegen. Now, Serginho Dest would be an absolutely. I think that is one that Newcastle can look at because I, I you already know the financial situation that Barcelona are in. You offer twenty-ish million pound, they'd probably bite your hand off. Mm. I mean, yeah, I, I'm not saying that. Uh, I don't want Dest to go. Yeah, but well, they're all going to go, mate. They're, yeah, I they're, know. They don't want to, they're, they're want to stay in that, that place. It's going to be the youth system once again. We, Probably back for them. Yeah. Anyone else, guys? Or we, uh, gonna... I, th- I think that's it. I yeah. think uh, yeah. I think we've done our transfers. Like I said before, if the uh, if the Newcastle owners, Amanda, if you're listening, <sighs> we, we will quite happily come and scout for you and uh, be on... That's not Kiefer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, uh, yeah that concludes yet another uh, episode of the book stops I say yet another it's the second one um, number two number two um, we'll maybe get back with you before Christmas but um, if not then have a very Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year um, but yeah from uh, myself from Matt from Reese, and from Alex uh, this is the book stops here and we'll see you next time